Well, it is a joy tonight to have as our first speaker, Evangelist Harold Vaughn. Been with us several times and has always been a tremendous blessing. He is the head of Christ Life Ministries, and uh, this ministry has been a tremendous blessing as great materials have gone out on things that are dear to our hearts, and I've uh, been very thankful for that, plus the different uh, seminars and, and uh, gatherings for prayer that he has for men and, and uh, ladies in all different uh, categories, and God has used him mightily uh, to really emphasize the matter of prayer and the spiritual life and just a call out to God for revival. And I have benefited so much from, from all that he has done, personally been a deep blessing, and uh, he's been a great blessing to us. So, Brother Vaughn, come. It's a delight to have you again here tonight. God bless you. Thank you. Well, what a blessing to be back here at Falls. I feel like I'm with home folks when I come here. Good to see so many old friends and some new ones as well. Thank you for the opportunity, Pastor and Jim, to be here. Now, you all know, y'all know that all the smart evangelists are in Florida at this time. You know that, don't you? Uh, Brother Young is one of my best friends, but um, I'm not going to say he's dumber than me, but he left Florida to come here, all right? I only left Virginia. I just have to say that. But uh, uh, what, a, what a blessing. Last week I was in uh, Illinois. <laughs> uh, next week I'll be in Montreal. Just kidding. But uh, it's always a blessing to be here because there's a warm atmosphere in this church, and we appreciate your heart for faith and the spirit-filled life and your desire to witness. It's always a blessing. Somebody said that uh, when you're born, everybody's smiling, but you were crying. On the day you were born, everybody was smiling, but you were crying. You ought to live your life so that on the day that you die, everybody's crying, but you're smiling. My wife and I got invited to the home of an Egyptian couple in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, it was an Egyptian couple. I've never been to Egypt. I would love to see the pyramids. But uh, I'm afraid that a tire necklace would not go along with my uh, decor. So I'm afraid to go to Egypt, but uh, we got invited in the home of an Egyptian couple. Didn't know what to expect. Well, it was a delightful experience. They had taken three days and prepared 20 Lebanese and Egyptian entrees. 20. Amazing. And uh, we went in their home and we laughed, we fellowshiped, we talked about real life issues. We were, just, we were just refreshed, and I said to my wife on the way home, I said, can you remember the last time we had such a good time in somebody's home? We were absolutely refreshed. You know, you all, we all know people who uh, uplift us when we get in their presence. We all know people when we get around them, we're better off for having been in their presence. They're people who uh, make us feel better about things. They make us feel better about our situation in life. They help, help give us perspective. Uh, they're uh, refreshing because they help us gain uh, a fresh perspective. So I want to talk to you tonight about the ministry of refreshment. Best I can detect is about 10 scriptures, specific scriptures that mention the word refresh or refreshing, or refreshed, and I want to give you four of them tonight. Notice, if you would, first of all, in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, in the interest of time, we'll read from the screen tonight, all right? Notice what it says here, and it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, now read the bold part out loud, so Saul was refreshed and was well. 
Wow, he played the harp. Notice what it says. Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. The word refresh here means to breathe freely. To breathe freely. It means to enlarge. It means uh, to revive. Uh, David used his gift of music to refresh the soul of Saul. I've never seen so many stringed instruments in a church in my entire life. The only place you find more string is in a fishing store. I'm telling you, I, I've never seen as many stringed instruments in my entire life. But tremendous. And that, that, kind, of, that kind of music refreshes the soul. Well, there's another reference uh, in the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus. However you say that, you know, you'll straighten me out in college tomorrow, all right? Onesiphorus, uh, read the, the bold words out loud. For he oft refreshed me. Say that again. For he oft refreshed me. Hmm. You know that word refresh there means to cool off, like when you're hot. It, it, it means to relieve. Onesiphorus was like a, a glass of ice cold water on a scorching hot day. He was refreshing. There's another uh, reference to this word in 2 Corinthians. Therefore we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus. Uh, bold words out loud, please. Because his spirit was refreshed by you all. Wow, his spirit got refreshed by being in their presence. Now the word refreshed there means to give rest. The Corinthian uh, uh, people... They had problems, but it wasn't all bad. And I'm here to tell you that uh, they brought comfort and rest to Titus. He was refreshed by these individuals. And then Paul uses this word in the book of Romans chapter 15. He said that I might come unto you with joy by the will of God. Bold words out loud, please. And may with you be refreshed. Hmm. May with you be refreshed. Now, uh, that means to refresh oneself in company. There, there's a joint benefit. And, and Paul knew that being in the comfort, a company of these people would mutually refresh all of them. You know, we live in a world filled with agitators, aggravators, irritators, grumblers, whiners, scoffers, scoffers cynics, and critics. But the church of God should be a community of encouragement. And we need more refreshers. So I want to talk to you tonight about the ministry of refreshment. Let's, let's stand and bow our head and ask God to come and talk to us. Would you just stand quietly and just bow your heart and give God permission to speak to you personally tonight. Would you just do that right now? Would you ask the Lord to refresh weary souls tonight? Father, we thank you tonight for the ministry of refreshment. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would refresh us. And God, uh, let us take serious this ministry of refreshment. We give you praise in advance in Christ's name. All God's people say it. You can be seated. Now let me give you the characteristics of a refresher. The characteristics of a refresher. I want to exhort you tonight to be an exhorter. I want to empower you to empower other people. And I believe there's some very basic, simple things. It's uh, Christian, Christianity 101 that we can do. And if we do them, we'll have a ministry of refreshment. Number one, to have a ministry of refreshment, you're going to have to have a positive attitude. You need a positive attitude. Hey, spend your life. Spend your life focusing on what you love instead of what you hate. 
Spend your life focusing on what you love instead of what you hate. You know, an attitude is just a learned tendency to evaluate things in a certain way. That's what an attitude is. It's a learned, acquired tendency to evaluate things in a certain way. And you can cultivate a positive attitude. So go out of your way to say good morning at church. Greet everybody with a smile. Be upbeat. I mean, uh, let your mouth overflow with grace and let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know that word corrupt? You know what it means? Rotten, putrid, <laughs> corrupt, no rotten, no putrid communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it might minister grace, that you might refresh people. Now, I grew up in Southside, Virginia, on a tobacco farm of all places, and my parents would plant enough Irish potatoes to feed the entire county. Uh, how many of you ever have, had, have grown Irish potatoes and stored them? Anybody had that experience here in Wisconsin? Yeah, y'all are beer drinkers up here, so you don't know what I'm talking about up there, but uh, just kidding on that point right there. Just kidding, lighten up now, now. Uh, <laughs> it's too cold up here to grow potatoes, man, but uh, uh, you, know, you know, we would put the potatoes under the house, and you have to get all the light off of them, and then we'd have to clean those out, and then we would harvest the new crop and replace them. Well, uh, the way we did that was, I, I shouldn't have said that about beer drinking, so I'm sorry. How many will forgive Will you forgive me for that? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All right, now back to the message. <laughs> you know what we did? My, my father had a 1950 uh, putt-putt, two-cylinder John Deere tractor. We had a horse plow that we'd put behind that tractor. And if you would put the plow in the specific place, you, theoretically, you could go down the row of potatoes and they would just fall right out, right into the furrow. So we were harvesting potatoes, and I mean a bunch of them. Well, we were harvesting them. It was about 95 degrees, I suppose. And I noticed that one potato had not fallen into the furrow. It was still stuck in the, in, in the dirt, in the bank. So I reached down my hand to grasp this potato. And the moment I grasped this potato about the size of a baseball, I noticed it was an unstable potato. The skin was intact but the insides were liquefied. And when a potato is liquefied, it's putrefied. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? So I picked this thing up. I, had him, I used to pitch baseball, Pastor Wayne, back in high school, and my brother was about 10 feet away. <laughs> I looked at him and I looked at that potato. He looked at me and he turned around and, and began to haul off. And I took that that unstable potato, brother, and I reared back, man, and I gave it a fastball pitch, and right in the middle of his back, splat, his lunch went splat, then his fist went splat in my face after he got his composure. It was putrid. It was rotten. And the Bible says, don't let a rotten, putrid, uh, corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, an optimist, they say, can find opportunity in every calamity. An optimist can find opportunity in every calamity, but a pessimist can find calamity in every opportunity. You know, refreshers choose to focus on the sunny side. <laughs> they choose to focus on the sunny side. Positive people speak life. Pointed encouragement based upon facts. And positive people, I'm just telling you, they impart energy. You need to learn how to be an energy giver instead of an energy taker. You ever get around somebody and after you talk to them, you're energized? You ever get around other people and after you talk to them, you're depleted? 
I get around some people, you know, and they, they, they never get out of low gear. I mean, they've never been excited one second in their entire lives. And they love to talk in slow motion. Brother Harold, they get three syllables out of it. Brother Harold, you know, brother, the Lord. And I was born hyper. And when I get to engage in these people, I'm just telling you, it just takes the life right out of me. You need to learn how to be a putter in her instead of a taker outer. Learn how to be an energy giver instead of an energy taker. Your spirit communicates as loudly as your words. And your very presence can empower people. Your very presence can empower people. Manly Beasley was a Baptist evangelist who uh, became known for a man of faith because he, he contracted 21 different terminal illnesses. You know, most people only have one terminal illness and that pretty well takes care of it. But he was a man of faith. So he'd get healed of one thing. And lo and behold, he'd come down with another thing. Uh, and God would heal him again. It happened 21 times. He was in the hospital. Pain was overwhelming, unbearable. He couldn't even cope. And six Baptist preachers flew in to try to cheer him up. But it wasn't working. And all of a sudden, in walks a very humble, homely woman carrying a paper shopping bag. It was Corey Ten Boom. Manly Beasley said that when Corey Ten Boom walked into the room, he said Jesus walked into the room. He said, I don't know whether heaven came to the room or whether that room went to heaven. But he said when she walked in, God walked in, and he said his pain didn't subside, but his ability to cope with it did. I'm telling you, your very presence can empower people. Attitude is a little thing that goes a long way. It's a little thing that goes a long way. Your thoughts can lift people or depress people. What's in your mind uh, is verbalized, comes out of your mouth. It creates an atmosphere. Your thoughts give birth to words and your words are the overflow of your heart. You know whatever is in your soul will find expression through your words. Somebody said a kind word can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. A kind word. A kind word can reach a wound that only compassion can heal. Constructive speech flows out of a happy heart. You know, the older I get, I'm not so impressed with powerful people, wealthy people, or, or intelligent people. You know what I'm impressed with? Kind people. My, my aunt was one of the kindest people I've ever known. I never heard, her, Brother Dave, I never heard her one time ever say anything derogatory about anybody. Not one time. And buddy, I want to tell you, when she passed on, I lost something because I respected her. She was so kind. Listen, listen, refreshers are people who intentionally connect with people. They'll listen to you. They'll sit with you. They'll talk with you. Uh, you know, a positive attitude is contagious. <laughs> Paul longed to be with the Romans, didn't he? He longed to be with them because he knew they would all be refreshed. You know, the longer I'm in this, I like to go some places, not because I think anything great's going to happen. I just like to go because... I just like the people, and I just like to be around them. And I'm telling you, people with a positive attitude are like that. Well, if you want to have a ministry of refreshment, number two, you need not only a positive attitude, but number two, you've got to have genuine concern, genuine concern. Paul said, let not every man look on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't look on just on your own stuff, but look on the things 
of others. Now, compassion means to suffer together. The word passion means to suffer. C-O-M means company. It means to suffer together. Together. You know, we're fellow saints. We're fellow sufferers. And we're fellow sinners. And, I, and, and to be empathetic just means that you're able to sense what others are going through because of your experience or your ability to put yourself in their shoes. You know what empathy is? Empathy is me feeling your pain in my heart. Empathy is me feeling your pain in my heart. Compassion is entering into another's suffering with the desire to lessen their pain. You know, animals, even animals can tell if you like them or not. I was in Alabama, and uh, there was an elderly woman on hospice. She was about ready to go home, so we went to comfort her and her family. Well, in the driveway of that Alabama home, uh, we met her son in the driveway, and we're sitting there trying to comfort this man, trying to, trying to console this man, trying to help this man, listen to this man, love this man, suffer with this man. And out of the woods, what would emerge other than a flea-ridden Alabama cat and came right out of the woods? Now, guess who the cat was attracted to? I attract all the wrong kinds of things and people for some reason. And, and the cat made a beeline right for me. And here, here I am, you know, looking, trying to look, I am concerned and I'm trying to offer comfort to this guy. And this cat comes up and begins to rub up right beside my trousers leg, uh, transferring uh, tons of fleas with each swipe up against my leg. Tick-ridden, flea-bidden, dirty looking, oh man. And, and you know, I'm talking to this man. Oh, brother, I'm really sorry about that. And the cat's down here, you know, just rubbing against me. So I tried to give the cat a hint, and I, you know, kicked the cat. <laughs> oh, brother, I'm sorry to hear about that. <laughs> oh, man, this is awful. <laughs> it was a special needs cat. Special needs. Took six kicks before he got the message. <laughs> now, you know, if animals can tell if you like them, people can too. And I want to tell you the greatest gift you can give is your time and your concern. You know, some of us are super sensitive. And, and, and you know, compassion, uh, concern should drive us into action instead of depression. You know, I tend to assimilate whatever atmosphere I get in. I just can't help it. That's just the way it is. And some people are like that. Not everybody's like that. But brother, I'm telling you, it should drive us into action, not to depression. You know, compassionate people are available when you need them. They're not in a hurry. They can sit and listen. So take a real interest in helping other people succeed. Don't rush out of church. Speak to everybody you can. Invite them into your home for a meal. That's a novel idea in 2020. Uh, how many remember when we had front porches instead of back porches? How many remember that? How many remember when you could drop in without making an appointment five months in advance? How many remember that? Just show up. Remember this? So invite people into your home. Invite visitors into your church. Uh, get to know them. Take them out to eat. And this uh, Odyssey Greek restaurant is an excellent place that I hope somebody will take me to this week. All right, now. <laughs> Seek out people who have needs. Get to know them. I've got a friend that uh, he got cancer, lung cancer, 30 years ago. And God healed him. His oncologist told me there's no reason that man should be alive. He's still alive, but the cancer has come back. And he's, uh, he's hurting. The lung cancer is back. So I've been texting him. And he's not able to talk. 
How many of you know that sometimes when you're sick enough, you don't feel like talking to people and you just don't have the energy to uh, entertain people? You know, and that's the way it is with him. But I've been texting him a little bit. And, and I'm just telling you, brother, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Genuine concern. Number three, if you want to have a ministry of refreshment, you have to be a good listener. You can, you can develop that skill of being a good listener. Somebody said there's no greater loan than a sympathetic ear. No greater loan than a sympathetic ear. Silence is often more beneficial than advice. You don't have to share every tidbit of wisdom you picked up in your journey with people. Sometimes just listening to them will help them more than what you, the advice you're going to give them. Hey, how do people spend, feel after spending time in your presence? How do they feel after spending time with you? You know if you listen to them, they'll appreciate you. There's a pastor two miles up the road from our house. He came to the prayer advance uh, four years ago. Took, it only took him 30 years. You know, special needs pastor. No, 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 he's a friend. He's our pastor. He's a good man. I shouldn't have said that either. Uh, I, I just want to go ahead and apologize up front for all the stupid stuff I'm going to say, so I won't have to do it again. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> anyway. And don't judge me because you've got your faults too, but you just can't tell them. They're not as obvious, all right? They're just not as obvious. <laughs> now back at it here. So, so I would go up to this pastor, pastor's office and drop in on him, and I listened to him. And uh, we would pray, and he'd say the same thing every time. He would say, you are so refreshing. And all I did was sit and listen. And I want to tell you something. If you will give yourself completely to the people you're speaking with, and let them talk it out. Don't interrupt. If they stutter, don't try to forecast what they're trying to say. Make eye contact. Intentionally focus on that person. If you'll just sit there and listen without making, making commentary and begging clarification on every point, you can help people. And all you got to do is keep your big trap shut. And after they talk it out, they'll give you a credit for having tremendous wisdom. And all you did was sit there and listen to them. And people will pay a psychiatrist 200 bucks an hour just to listen to them. I'm cheap, only $100, so sign up this week. Uh, <laughs> don't be a busybody. Uh, don't, don't be a gossip. You, you don't refresh people by down-talking others. The Puritan said, uh, he that speaks a slander carries the devil in his tongue. He that speaks a slander carries the devil in his tongue, and he that receives a slander carries the devil in his ear. Hey, anybody can find the dirt in others. You be the one that looks for the gold. Anybody can find the dirt. You be the one that looks for the gold. You want a ministry of refreshment? Number four, honest communication. Honest communication. A word spoken in season, how good it is. You know, a compliment is verbal sunshine. It's verbal sunshine. Here's a quote. A pat on the back, though only a few vertebrae removed from a kick in the pants, is miles ahead in results. Now, now listen to me. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in your heart? Your, your speech is the overflow of your soul. It's the overflow of what you've been meditating on. And the Bible says that honest communication is the only way to go. Uh, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. In other words, say what you mean, mean what you say, never give false praise, straightforward, non-wavering, direct communication, and don't speak in code. Preachers, don't feel like you've got to drop the code, the code uh, pet <laughs> words uh, to, to, to make people know that you're on their side. Forget about speaking in code. Say what you mean. 
It's more important for you to feel comfortable in your own skin than trying to get somebody else to feel comfortable with your skin. Let your yay be yay. Let your nay be nay. Be who you are. Be unique. Be the person God made you to be. Now, I have a friend and, oh, he'd gotten into a bad habit. A lot of uh, preachers in the South get into this bad habit. And the bad habit is taking God's name in vain. It's unintentional. It's not on purpose. It's done in ignorance. But it doesn't make any difference whether it's done in ignorance or whether it's done on purpose. Taking God's name in vain is taking God's name in vain. And he got into a bad habit. When he would get excited, he would just use God's name as an expression of surprise. Just like some people use curse words, a lot of uh, Christian people use God's name as an expression of surprise. When he'd get excited, he would say, bless G-O-D. And it wasn't like, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, it wasn't that kind of blessing the Lord. It was an expression of surprise. And the Bible says uh, to take God's name in vain, to use it irreverently or lightly, is blasphemy. Now, he was totally unaware of this, but he kept on saying it. You know, you can't watch a charismatic preacher for 30 minutes on television, but what, he'll take God's name in vain at least two or three times just about. Uh, and using Jesus' name or God's name as an expression of surprise, we shouldn't do this. So he was a pretty good friend. So I said, uh, brother, look, I, I need to talk to you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't climb his tree. I, I didn't read him the right act, but I confronted him. And I said, brother, you're not aware of this, but uh, you're using God's name in a, in a vain way. And I shared with him. He thanked me for, for sharing this with him. His deacon walked in and he said, uh, hey, brother, brother Harold just rebuked me. <laughs> and I'm thankful for it. Did you know that candidness and honesty is so rare that it's refreshing? You know, we're living in the day when the fear of man has most of us by the throat. And we're more worried about what somebody's going to think than what God knows. And you need to get liberated from that fear of man that brings a snare and a trap. And I'm just here to tell you, brother, uh, uh, this, this matter of, of honest communication, candidness, you know, the eternal will make you earnest. The eternal will make you urgent. And your best friends are the people who will tell you the truth. You know, convicting preaching, although it hurts, it's refreshing. Why? Because it's honest communication. My, my pastor one time was preaching on a spiritual stray. All of the like sheep have gone astray. And it, and it had some teeth in it. It was convicting. But it was refreshing to my heart because he spoke truth where I needed to hear truth spoken. Honest communication. Now, think about the people that you enjoy being with. Think about it for a moment. The people you enjoy being with. Aren't they the ones that make you laugh? Aren't they the ones that laugh with you? How many know not everything is drop dead serious? There's a time for everything. But, but I'm just telling you, just, just being real, being honest. You know, happiness is one commodity that's not diminished when you share it. So be a Monday morning encourager. Write your pastor a, 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 an email or a text and a detail how you benefited from the message. Drop your, your Sunday school teacher a little note. Uh, listen to the Lord. If there's any way to give some praise, give it now. Honest communication uh, is a way to have a ministry of refreshment. Number five, you want to have a ministry of communication, you've got to have an obvious faith, an obvious faith. 
Hey, pray prayers of faith, not prayers of doubt. Pray with exclamation points instead of question marks. How in the world did the Baptist ever get to be so timid, so cautious, so shy, so laid back, so afraid uh, to get out of the, get out of the, uh, the, uh, the will of God and, and, and launch out and get out of the boat and get on the water? How, how in the world did we ever get to the point where here we are now in these days where it's scarcely uh, possible to find a church that's believing God for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in North America? It's a rare thing and it's wrong. It's wrong. Whatever's not a faith is sin. Brother, I'm just here to tell you, we've been lulled into a, a, a sad state of affairs. I asked a pastor one time, I said, brother, how's it going? He said, well, brother, I guess with the times being what they are, I guess we're doing all right. So we blame the times. We blame the last days. We blame the Laodicean church age. We blame God. Well, why do we blame our unbelief? <laughs> According to your faith, so be it unto you. Now look, uh, pray prayers of faith, not prayers of doubt. Don't interrogate sick people. Uh, don't, don't, don't quote statistics about survival uh, to somebody that's got uh, disease. I got diagnosed with diverticulosis one time. A friend of mine wrote me an email and said, oh yeah, Brother Harold. said, my, my cousin got that and he didn't last two years. Say this word out loud, stupid. Say that word out loud, stupid, stupid. Don't say stuff like that. I, I mean, they're already struggling probably. So pray some prayers of faith, man. Believe God, Jehovah Jireh, he's still on the throne. I got a friend, a pastor, they had an eight-year-old, they had their son was born a primordial dwarf. Primordial dwarf. There's only 26 known cases in the United States. He was this tall when he was eight years old. He was, uh, he was a lot of fun. And uh, he was sick. Well, last fall, well, last summer really, he was uh, taken up to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. He took a turn for the worse. And um, you know what his grandfather told me? He said, Brother Harold, he said, we're believing God to heal Landon. And we're going to believe God's going to heal him unless God decides to take him home. And if God decides to take him home, we're gonna wash our face and go out and eat a meal. But in the meantime, we're believing God. Boy, I like that. I like that. And you know, Landon graduated. I was out in a men's prayer advance in Colorado. My wife called me and she said, she said, uh, Landon's gone. Oh man. And, you know, don't you just hate to see those St. Jude's commercials on television with those children with no hair? They're afflicted and they're sick. You know, I want to tell you something. I just want to tell you something. Brother, people who are sick don't need a bunch of theological philosophy. What they need is somebody that's going to believe God for their betterment. And I'm just telling you, if you want to encourage people, you want to minister for freshmen, brother, you pray prayers of faith. Now, listen, your faith will inspire people. Words of faith encourage people. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. It's refreshing. You know, Jesus spoke to Peter and gave him a mental photograph of his future when he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. 
He spoke. He spoke word pictures and faith into his life to show him what his destiny was going to be. A word spoken in season, how good it is. So speak people and speak faith into people's lives. I was in northeast Pennsylvania. The pastor said, Harold, the fundamental churches in our area are not the life-giving churches. That's what he said. He just threw it out there. The fundamental churches, he said, in our area are not the life-giving churches. Brother, our churches should be life-giving, not life-draining. Our ministries should be life-giving. Our words should be life-giving. Brother, I'm just here to tell you that, that we can breathe life into people. As the cold of snow in the time of harvest, so is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. A faithful messenger will refresh people. An obvious faith. An obvious faith. I hope you're believing God for something in 2020. I hope you're believing God for something in your family, in your own heart, in your children, grandchildren. How many have grandchildren? Lift your hand up like that right there. How many like your grandchildren? Lift both hands up like this right here. Amen. They are great children. Aren't they great? I got five of them. Photographs available in the fellowship hall tonight. It's tremendous. I'm just telling you. But, but you know something? I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Oh, I know what it's got to do, something to do with. Let's believe God to convert our children and convert the prodigal and convert the little ones before they get out and get messed up. Oh, brother, in obvious faith. I hope you're believing something. Number six, you want to have a ministry of encouragement? Be a generous giver. Here we are. Listen, look at this. A cheerful giver. Look at this. <laughs> a cheerful giver. Charles Dickens said, no one is useless who lightens the burdens of another. Nobody's useless who lightens the burdens of another. More people fail for lack of encouragement than for any other reason. So purpose to be a need meter. Purpose in your heart to be a need meter. You know the Corinthians, what an what a, what a unusual group. It says there in 2 Corinthians 8 that they were in a great trial of affliction. A great trial of affliction, yet they had abundance of joy. And their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Boy, you think those things don't go together. <laughs> Here they are, terribly, terrible afflictions, but yet abundant joy, deep poverty, yet great liberality. And, and he said, praying with us, uh, with us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves unto the Lord. Now listen, givers are people who first give themselves to God. And then they, the refreshers, they invest their investors, they give of their time, their emotional strength, and their resources. You know, if you make, somebody said, if you make $20,000 a year, you're in the top 2% urge waiters, wage, uh, wage earners in the entire world. I'm telling you, most of us got more money than what we need to live on. And brother, I'm telling you, you can refresh people by helping people that have a need. Now listen, the Corinthians, they gave themselves first. Then they gave their resources. So sow into people's lives. You know, if you're hurting, find somebody hurting worse than you are. And sow a little encouragement. If you're depressed, find somebody that's more depressed than you. If you're sick, Go to the cancer ward and just sit and listen 
and watch as they come down the elevator weeping because their loved one has passed on. You, you know, what I'm telling you is this. We can sow into other people the commodity that we need ourselves. You're going to sow what you're, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap later than you sow. You're going to reap more than you sow. But you're going to reap what you sow. So sow generously. Now help people when they're sick or when they're out of work or when there's a tragedy. Listen to the voice of God in the matter of meeting the needs of other people. I'm telling you, you can help them. You can refresh them. Now, I was in Decatur, Illinois. Um, and uh, behind the church, uh, one evening, a man in a pickup truck, the sun apparently got in his eyes, and he ran over two young mothers and five children. The two-year-old son was killed and the other four children and the two moms were in the hospital. So the pastor said, Harold, I'm going to visit the man who just lost his son and his family's in the hospital. Would you like to go? I said, I sure would. So we went, pastor went up, knocked on the door. Man comes stumbling to the door barefoot and shaved in a day or two. Pastor looked at him and said, sir, we're from the church right up there on the corner. We're from the Baptist church right up there on the corner. We heard what happened to your family. And we just want to let you know that we've been praying for you and your family. And we just got a little gift right here. We'd just like to, we'd like to give this to you at this time of, of tragedy. And we'd like you to know that we're praying for you. Boy, I was proud to be a child of God. I said, I was proud to be a child of God. How many know you can minister to people that don't go to churches like you go to? You ministered all kinds. Last time I was here, there was a dear lady in the church. And, uh, and you could tell she don't come normal because she just spoke out loud. I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but she just spoke right up. And she said, I need God to heal my marriage. <laughs> and I thought, hallelujah. Somebody went down to wherever that section was and invited that dear woman. I'm just telling you, uh, uh, be a generous giver. Now, you know what that young man said? He said, Pastor, please have your church pray for the man that ran over my family. He said, he didn't mean to do it. And he said, I've just not been able to get by to see him yet. But would y'all pray for him? Thought, oh, man alive, what an attitude coming from a father who just lost his two-year-old son. Amazing. Be a generous giver. You know, in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul said, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Be, be, listen, did you know you can buy somebody's lunch anonymously? You know, you're in the restaurant, down at the Odyssey Greek restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Taking your... Hungry, well-fed guest southern speakers out to a Greek restaurant. I said, taking your hungry southern uh, guest. But you know, you're in the restaurant, right? And you see somebody over there, and they look like they're down on their luck. Eh? Maybe, they, uh, maybe they, their clothes are tore all to pieces. Maybe they're dirty. Maybe they're filthy. Maybe they're a different race than you are. You know what you're going to do? You can say to that waitress, hey, listen, hey, come here, come here. I just want to take care of that person's uh, meal ticket. And I want you to tell them that a friend bought their lunch. And then if you're going to do that, give a generous tip. 
Don't give a fundamentalist tip. <laughs> give a charismatic tip when it comes to tipping, when it comes to tipping. I, I, I mean, I, I, we were in a restaurant the other day and I said to the lady, I, the waitress, I said, hey, what's the biggest tip you ever got? She said, $20, but not in this dump. <laughs> I said to my wife, I said, hey, do we have $20 and 10 cents? We're going to give her the biggest tip she's ever got. I know a girl who's a waitress. Somebody gave her a $1,000 tip. Now, brother, I'm not to the $1,000 tip in faith, but I got the $20 down. I can do that, all right? You can do that. How I many you know there's a lot of people in the, that nobody's ever shown them a lot of favor? And I've had people show me favor all over the place. I'm just all over the place. But there's some people, nobody ever shows them any favor. And they just look down on them and condemn them and judge them. And you know, if we were brought up in the circumstances they were, we might not have done as well as they did. I'm just telling you, I was in Belleville, West Virginia, coal mine in the middle of nowhere. A little old lady in the church, her name was Granny Carpenter. She lived in a house that was so bad you wouldn't put your pet in it, I'm telling you. She was married to a lifelong alcoholic. He was 91 years old, an invalid. But she was the happiest person I've ever met in my entire life. She's an old Church of God Appalachian woman. If you know anything about Appalachia, they're, they all are Church of God at one time or another. You know, that's just the way it is. And, and, but she was the happiest person I've ever met. And every night she'd come to the revival meeting and she'd bring me a gift. And one night she brought me a little lantern like you'd win at the carnival in that little uh, you know, crane thing, you know. One night she brought me a comb, a plastic comb. I can't remember if it had any teeth in it or not. But every night she'd come and bring me some seemingly worthless trinket. But buddy, it wasn't worthless to me because she threw in her two mites, man, and she did what she could do with what she had. And you know what? You, you, can, you, you can be sensitive to the Lord about helping people. You've got 100 broke college students here. Just pick any of them. They, they need it. I'm just telling you, just any of them. You know, Jesus said that a cup of cold water gets her recognition in heaven. Pastor, you know what I've determined? When people come to our prayer events, events, when they come in the door, we're giving them a bottle of water. That's a thousand rewards coming up here uh, in one shot in about three weeks. And then when we leave, I say, hey, let's give them another bottle of water. It's only seven cents a piece at Sam's. And let's, let's just load them up. And, and, and did you know, I'm serious right here that even a cup of cold water gets recognition in heaven. And buddy, I'm telling you, if I can bless somebody, I want to bless them. If I can help somebody, I want to help them. If I can sow into somebody, listen to the Holy Spirit in this matter of being a generous giver and refreshing people. Number seven, to have a ministry of refreshment. Oh, it's best to be spirit-filled. Oh, it's best to be spirit-filled. You know, to refresh others, it's best to be refreshed yourself. <laughs> And if you're going to impart life, it's better if you have life. God-saturated people spill over. So keep your repentance current. And sometimes you got to pray, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, God is love. And when we're filled with his spirit, we're going to help people. You know, Duncan Campbell said the greatest thing about a man is his unconscious influence. The greatest thing about a person is their unconscious influence. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you'll do more by accident than you will on purpose if you're not. 
And I'm telling you, it's just life. It's just a conduit. It's just life flowing through you. So be spirit-filled. Now, this is not on the screen, but here's another one. You want to have a ministry of refreshment? Pray with people and pray for people. Pray with people and pray for people. Paul talked about striving together in prayer. You know, intercession is praying for somebody else like they're us. Intercession is praying for somebody else as if they were us. I was in the hospital getting a bone scan. I was so ignorant. I didn't know how serious this was. You know, when you get into the cancer ward, it's not on the comedy. The television is not set on the comedy channel. And you know how they sit around? Nobody's talking. Well, you're talking about a quiet place. They all, they all sit around like this right here. I was sitting in there. There was this gentleman. I said, uh, I went over and I said, hey, brother, what's going on with you? So he told me what was happening. I said, um, be all right if I pray with you. He said, boy, that'd be great. Boy, that'd be great. So here we are. I've only been turned down once. I prayed with thousands of people. I've only been turned down one time by an atheist. But most people in times of crisis appreciate your prayers. It, it, it refreshes them. It helps them. The Bible says pray one for another and praying with people will encourage them. Did you know that you can help people sometimes even when you can't find help yourself? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, paying the sin debt for the entire human race, what's he doing? Ministering to a thief on the cross beside of him. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, brethren, listen, sometimes you can help people when you can't find any help yourself. And I'm telling you, if you'll be on a mission to minister to people and bless people, you're going to be happier and people are going to be glad to see you come instead of glad to see you go. You know your entrance into the room ought to cause people to smile instead of your exit from the room. <laughs> they ought to be glad to see you coming. And I'm telling you, praying with people can help them. Did you know that, that people are looking for somebody to help them overcome their fears? I read, read what Brother Jim wrote in the uh, Victory Conference brochure. Classic, tremendous, true. People are looking for somebody to help them overcome their fears, to believe in them, to care for them. Be one of those people. And churches and families that care for one another and encourage one another are communities of encouragement. I have a friend, pastor friend. He had a very committed church. Uh, Sunday morning, 400 people. Sunday night, about 400 people. And in those days, Wednesday night, about 400 people. He was a very straight man, but a very sweet man. And uh, it was, he was a mercy guy. Well, you know what he did? He got it, got it on his heart to start a care ministry. C-A-R-E, care ministry. So he recruited a guy that uh, had the, this gift and they trained about 50 people in their church to bird dog people. So when somebody would come into the service and they looked like um, they were burdened down with some trouble, if it was a woman, a woman would go up and put her arm around her and say, Sister, is there anything I can pray with you about? And she would share her heart and say, Well, how about if we just pray right now? And they would pray. If it was a man, same thing. Brother, is there anything I can pray with you about? And, and they, he would pray for them. They begin to invite uh, church members, obscure church members, out to lunch. Odyssey Restaurant would be an excellent place to take uh, people to uh, lunch. And then they can invite people over to their homes. Uh, 
You know, I, I mean, and, and would you believe all they did different for the next 12 months was exercise and practice the one another commands? Pray for one another, care for one another, love one another, exhort one another, forgive one another, forbear one another. That's all they did was practice New Testament Christianity. Twelve months later, that church had grown from 400 to 800, and all they did was practice the Word of God in, in, how, in treat, the way they related to other people. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, you, you can have a ministry of refreshment. Now, prepare a mental list every morning when you get up. When you wake up in the morning... Uh, after you enter his gates with thanksgiving, after you come into his courts with praise, and after you enter his presence with singing, then you can say, Lord, who would you have me encourage today? You don't have to wait 15 seconds. You'll always get at least two people. Lord, who would you have me encourage today? Uh-huh, okay, got it. Lord, how would you have me to encourage them? A text, a visit, a gift, a prayer, an email. Lord, how would you have me to encourage and then get that marching order. And, but if you did that every day for the next year, you would encourage nearly 800 people. If everybody here did that, there would be hundreds of thousands of people that would be impacted and touched. It doesn't take a whole lot to encourage people, I'm just telling you. Find out what you're supposed to do and be passionate about your assignment. Now listen, we ought to encourage our family members. Men, you ought to encourage your wives. Buy them flowers. And, and don't go to the uh, Dollar Tree to get your, your plastic flowers. Go, go somewhere else and get a decent flower, all right? I'm serious. Take them out to eat. Odyssey Restaurant would be an excellent place to. <laughs> Refresh your children. Man, we had our kids over for the holidays. Took a picture of my three boys and me. And, uh, boy, I just got to looking at that. And I thought, man, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> got five grandchildren, three daughter-in-laws that love God. Wow. <laughs> you know what we did? My wife and I, we gave all three of our children and their families $100 and said, look, we want you and your family to have a mission. Pray about who, you want, who, who to give this to. And, and, and then when you come for the Christmas Day celebration, you, we want you to share who God led you to give that to. <laughs> and, and you know, the children got in on it. They wanted to give it to the camp or they wanted to give it to the, uh, uh, whole, uh, the home over in Thailand or somewhere. And there was all kinds of stuff going on here. But, but I'm serious. Um, you can refresh people. Philemon refreshed the saints and we can too. You've been shown mercy to show mercy. You've been blessed to bless. You've been lifted to lift. Anybody here ever been through a, through a, a major depressive episode? Maybe you should, don't want to lift your hands, but I'll go ahead and lift mine. Seven years ago, I fell into a depression. Cancer came knocking. I didn't know how to handle it, brother. I know I should have done better, but I didn't. Scared to death, didn't know what to think. Of course, based on what the doctor told me, I thought death was imminent. How I many you know the doctors don't always get it right either? And you know what? I, I slipped into a, I was depleted physically. I've been running on caffeine and adrenaline and hopefully some spirit for 40 years and was depleted physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Had nothing left. Entered into a season of cloud cover that was very, very thick. And you know, five years, five years, you know what? I never quit. 
I kept on grasping for anything that could help me. I just went ahead and thanked God when I didn't feel like it. Because most of the time I didn't feel like it. But I just went ahead and forced myself to thank God and think of good stuff and express praise to him. Five years into that thing, I woke up one morning. I'm telling you, it was like the cloud cover had dissipated. And I kind of shook myself and smiled without trying to for the first time in a long time. And you know what? God lifted me out of that pit. And I'm here to tell you, you've been lifted to lift. (laughs) If God's done something for you, you can help somebody else. Did you know that? Because you know what they're going through. And don't spiritualize everything. And don't go around quoting Romans 8, 28 to somebody that's in the pit. Quote that to yourself when you get in the pit. And the rest of them, learn how to listen to them. Listen to their hearts. Minister to them. Pray prayers of faith. Bless them. Hug them. Pray over them. Believe God for them. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, there's a bunch of people, I'm just telling you, there's a bunch of people that's got all kinds of problems and guilt and baggage and all the rest of it. But brother, if they could get in a revived atmosphere, saturated with the Holy Ghost, I'm just telling you, there would be a healer in the house and a lot of people can get set free in a revived church. Does anybody agree with that statement right there? It's the truth. I'm just telling you. And brother, I know what my assignment is. My assignment is to the, my assignment is to the hungry hearted. My, resign, my assignment is to the revival hearted and the broken hearted. And when I get around people who are hungry hearted, revival hearted or broken hearted, there's a connection going on. I'm just telling you, secondary things don't make any difference, brother. If, 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 when you, and you have an assignment to minister to a certain a group of people. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you're fulfilled and you, you, you're, you're happy and you're, you're content. And then you help those people. I'm just telling you, we can help people. Don't you want to help people? You know, when you die, you ought to live so that uh, everybody else is crying. But you're smiling. And I'm here to tell you, you ought to leave a hole when you go home. I don't go along with this fatalistic theology that uh, when you die, it's like taking your thumb out of a bucket of water. It ain't going to make a, a bit of difference. It ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. I don't believe that. I believe you're significant and your influence can help people and bring glory to God and be a use in building the kingdom of God and implementing the will of God and honoring the name of God on earth. And brother, we ought to live so that when we die... Other people are crying, but buddy, we're smiling (laughs) because we finished the course with joy. Now, listen, you've been given to give. You've been given to peace to to spread. You've been grace to grace. So purpose to inspire people. Intentionally connect with people. Encourage people. Look for reasons to praise people. Motivate people to meaningful goals. Speak hope and faith into people's lives. Did you know you you can refresh people by witnessing to them? I'm 63 years old. I know I don't look it, but uh, I'm 63. I can name on one hand the people I can remember who ever attempted to witness to me. I mean, it's amazing. But did you know speaking the truth to people can refresh them, giving them the good news? Boy, you talk about refreshment, especially the people that God has prepared for to receive the God. It's amazing. I'm just telling you, you can refresh people. Now, I want you to think of the people who light your fire. I want you to think about the people that when you get around them, you're always better off than you were before you got around them. I want you to think about the people who refresh you. And and, and how many of you you have somebody that you know that when you get around them, they just, you're always better off for having been in their presence. How How many know somebody like that? You know somebody like that? Now here's how you can be a refresher. You do for other people what they're doing for you. 
Whatever it is they're doing for you, you turn around and do the same thing to somebody else and you'll have the same impact upon other people. I hope you'll determine to have a ministry of refreshment. Now, how many here tonight know somebody who's going through a difficult season? How many of you know somebody that's going through a hard time? Maybe it's grieving a loss or dealing with some tragedy or maybe they've messed up or whatever. How many, how many of you know somebody right now that's going through a terrible season and could use a ministry of refreshment? How many of you know somebody like that? Yeah, we all know people like that. Hey, would you right now commit before God that before you come to church tomorrow night, that you're going to have a ministry of refreshment toward that person? Lord, how, how, how should I encourage them? A call, a text, a gift, a visit, a prayer. And how many would commit to reach out and get directions from, from Almighty God on how to have a ministry of refreshment to that person? How many would commit to that tonight? Put your hands way up. All right. Hey, listen. Can you imagine? Hundreds and hundreds of people will be ministered to before we get back here tomorrow night. Hallelujah. Now, tonight, the Bible says the times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. There's nothing more refreshing than the manifest presence presence of God. The, the times of refreshing come from, I know it's got prophetic implications, but it's got personal implications. Uh, the time, times of refreshing come from the presence of God. Some of you lost a loved one this year. Some of you have been heartbroken this year. Maybe your job went south. Maybe, maybe you're suffering with some illness. Maybe you got a diagnosis in your body or in your family. I, I just wonder tonight if there's anybody in the house that uh, personally would say, I need a ministry of refreshment myself. And I would like for God's people to pray for me and with me because I find myself to be in a place where I need for God to refresh my spirit. Maybe you've begun going through the trial of your life. Maybe it's been a season of darkness. Maybe you entered into a pit. But you'd say, I mean, I need, I need a touch of God and I need, I need a ministry of refreshment. Is anybody here tonight that would like to be prayed for and prayed with? I just invite you to stand to your feet tonight. We'll do something a little different. We're just going to pray for you tonight. If you'd like to be prayed for, that's right. Just stand up anywhere in the auditorium. I need a ministry of refreshment. Anybody else? Don't, don't be embarrassed by this. I, just, I, mean, I need a touch from God. I, I need a refreshment. Yeah, just, just stand up. We're going to... We're going to have a little season of prayer right now. How many of you know that uh, everybody goes through difficult seasons? No exceptions. Jesus learned obedience to the things he suffered. So tonight, anybody else want to get in on this? Just stand to your feet because I'm asking you for a reason. Yeah, just stand up. Yeah. All right. Those of you that are seated up front, I want you to turn around and look. Look over here. Look in the back. You're seated up front. Turn around. Look, we got uh, seven over here. We got one, one, two in this section. We got four people in. We got five people in this section in the back. Turn around, look. Everybody turn around, look. I want you to pick out one of these people. And I want us to have a little holy huddle around these folks. And if you could just share in a very, very brief, concise way uh, what you perceive your need to be. Just don't go into detail. Just don't brief. And then I want, I, want, I want us to lay hands on them. If it's a man, I want men to huddle around them. And I want two people to pray the prayer of faith over them and ask God to help them and touch them, okay? If it's a lady, 
I want a couple of ladies. I want, I want a bunch of ladies to huddle around and then a couple of these ladies just to pray the prayer of faith after they share what their need is, okay? So everybody in the up front now, look, look, pick out somebody. Nobody wants to be bypassed. All right, everybody. All right, now let's just, uh, just quietly, just some of, you, some of you move to these folks and surround them, huddle around them, and uh, listen to their burden and then pray over them, okay? So just, just uh, stand up. That's, that's going to be our invitation tonight.